Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. I'm your host, Lennox Mars Jr. And this is season one, episode 34. And the name of this episode is going to be called Race Cards and All the Things That It Brings. And the reason that I'm going to call this episode race card and the thing that all thing that it brings is because um, as of recently, I've been looking through the media and cycling through the media. um, And I've been seeing a lot of even in my Facebook, I should say, too, I've been seeing a lot of back and forth and in the African-American community, in my community, the, the black and African-American community, we're, we're torn on many different topics. And this is, I, I would say that this is um, expected because um, a lot of times we, people like to group all of us together and black people are not not a monolith they don't we don't think the same we don't have the same interactions we don't have the same experiences and um our experiences are vastly different as a people in how we engage society it's totally different so we are very torn on certain things and the reason why um it's so big in our communities because we feel as though we should band together or we should be together in certain aspects especially with um, police brutality, state violence that sort of thing but um, they had a a segment or by Kanye West and he said something very interesting, he said something along the lines of Harriet Tubman was um she didn't free the slaves, and I'm saying air quote, she didn't free the slaves. All she did was relocate them to be enslaved in the North. And um, I'm not gonna say he's wrong. He's afforded his experiences, but um, the qualms that I have with Kanye West is not about his content. and sometimes I do, but more so it's the, struct- the way he structures his contents and delivery. And I say this about um, many different uh, orators who are critical of the black community, which I am too. I'm critical in some regards to our people. But the way he relays it, it's always, it comes from a place of, of passion. And then also some of it is it's vitriol. And I'm not saying he's wrong, because yes, she did relocate um, slaves from the South and got them to the North, and they were to be freed. But he said it in a way which it it was true, because if you you want to contest that um, those slaves who were being moved from the from the south to the north and they were re- being relocated yes they would they would have subsequently ended up in working for someone white because in the north there there might have been fewer far between um africans or after those of african descent who had 
um, employment to to offer so yes they would have been working for someone white um and if you want to argue the point that capitalism is exploitive yes i i do agree that there are some degrees of exploitation in this capitalistic society it, it just is um no i'm not a socialist no i'm not a communist but if you do read your your books um i have a background in labor studies and employment relations so i know that capitalism is exploitive especially exploitive of one's labor and the if we can get the labor cheap and readily available and accessible someone will squeeze you for all your all of your labor and for the and they would not pay you at all we see that with uh the mexican brothers and sisters and how they always have to band together as migrant workers and have to fight for wages because they're being exploited um by farm hands and farm workers and things of that nature and these industries are propelled by those who are of an immigrant status um but going on to why i said that this is race and all the things that brings is to, uh, i want to say that um he raised a very good question or he posed well he pay, he posed a very good com- commentary and i say this because a lot of people we don't like to think critically as a community um we we um even though we have different viewpoints and we we have different ways to go about it many of the viewpoints that i see it's pretty much not of substance or you can tell that someone didn't critically think about what they they are saying and this is a problem in our community and i say this because we have been voting democrat since Lyndon Baines Johnson passed the civil rights bill. So essentially in the 1960s the civil rights bill was passed a little bit after um President Kennedy died. Kennedy died. And that he knew would secure the black vote and it did. So there are not too many African American Republicans. And right now I don't really know how many democratic conservatives there are in the lines have been been blurred so i don't really want to go and get into the political aspect of it but we as a community have been voting democrat regardless of our stance and the thing that i don't like about critically how we don't critically think about our um our representatives is because it takes away the resources from our community for example if we do not hold our representatives accountable for the things that we ask them for they essentially take advantage it, it becomes exploitive so black people have been asking for employment we've been asking to rid uh the police brutality um portion of it and we've been asking for um some type of educational subsidy so those are like the three main things there's more but we've been asking for this for a very long time this is this is probably like centuries in the making 
but we haven't gotten anything of that um not even an economic boost um and i'm not saying that we ask for these things but i'm just saying like we have deserved it rightfully so and i've said this in other podcasts and we still continue to vote for our democratic officials and the what and even this is not even about a racialized thing because it's our own black um, politicians our own black community leaders who's going out there and telling us to vote for anybody which is stupid you're supposed to vote for the person who best represents you regardless of political affiliation regardless of democrat republican independent you vote for the person that's in for you now the caveat for those who don't want to vote for those who are in your best benefit is that as a group you gang vote like how we used to do in the olden days we pick a candidate that we all agreed on or our elected officials or our leaders or this is when pastors came into play they would come to the church pastors would uh, and the ministers and the elders would sit down with this um candidate and then they would go and vet this candidate and then they would come speak to the church and then the pastor would say like this is the candidate for us because these are the things they are promising the community so as a community we would gang vote for this individual because we know that a level some resources was coming into the community because we have an, an elected official none of that has happened anymore we don't gang vote um we've only been voting democrat and the only reason we voted democrat is because it's to keep republicans out of office this is a, an issue of mine because if we're the only thing we're doing is voting democrat to keep republicans at bay we are not getting anything for our vote we have and we haven't gotten anything since the 1960s because the the urban environments the hood has been the same since the 1960s um and it's even it's even gotten worse the only time we have moved the needle in our communities of color is when it's being gentrified and when other people want to come buy it because it's a good locale it's closer to the train they're going to come in put pump millions of dollars into it if not billions move us out and we're displaced now so that's what I'm talking about. Um, we do not consciously vote and think about the other things we have critically. And I don't care about your stance as a person. I can care less about your viewpoint. However, if it feels like something off of CNN or MSNBC or something that you've heard from someone else for the millionth time, I don't like it. And I, I, I look at it as like you don't have ideas for yourself. If it sounds like something that you heard from somebody else. And I've been hearing the same variation of the same argument over a hundred times over. And I also, I hear it. And, and, and to be honest, I hear it from my mother. <laughs> you know, I, I hear that like, why didn't you vote Democrat? Because in the last election, I, I'm going to be full disclosure. I didn't vote Hillary Clinton. I, I could not. Um, so mom, I'm sorry, I, I lied and I told you that I did vote, but I, I um, I, I didn't say who I voted for, I, I just told her I voted. Um, and she assumed that I voted for Hillary Clinton, but I couldn't. Um, her politics did not sit well with me. I did a, um, 
I did a Google review, a Google search of all the political things that I brought up. And, and, and what's amazing about um, the Internet is that um, policies, people's past policies, you can bring that up. You can find historical votes and references. It's all public knowledge that you can look at and pick the candidate of your liking. And then when I matched up what she took a stance on and what she said she was gonna promise our community, I, can, I could not stand on good faith and say that this person was going to represent me and what the things I believe in. I could not do it. And so I didn't. Um, I didn't vote for Donald Trump either. I, vote, um, I actually voted uh, independent, Green Party. <laughs> so uh, I, that, that was my vote in that. And the reason I did vote that way is because um, I, I kind of like the stance that they, they all took, one. And two, I know people said that I threw away my vote, but I kind of agreed with her political um, ideologies and the things that she was representing her and the vice president she would have have elected um the other thing too was that um i just believe that i do i don't like the two-party system where the rhetoric is always keep this person out of office and uh, i met a very um wise man named norman and i'm always bring him up and he always said which is true is that the way the seesaw works is that the Democrats get a turn, the Republicans get a turn, the Republicans get a turn, the Democrats get a turn. And and that's and historically that has been the truth. So that led me to believe that there's a larger game at stake. <laughs> so, so that way uh, things can be, quote unquote, balanced. Um, so big business get a turn. People, quote unquote, get a turn. Um, and um, that was my that was that's just my talk my, my part. But going into the racial category and the byproduct of the racial cards is that when I look at the lens of equality, right? So there's a lot of things that we bring up in our community, and this is uh, I'm not going to talk about the Nikana thing yet. Um, but as a community, I just want to talk about what equality looks like right so post a, a, a post-racialized society a truly post-racialized society and what is our what is equality going to look like and first and foremost we will have to evaluate the leaders who have left us astray the ones who are pumping the rhetoric of not talking to the other side of the party or the down the aisle so we've gotten to a point where we no longer and this is a uh, this is staunch liberals as well too so on the democratic side democratic liberals they are no longer talking to their rivals or those who are down the aisle quote unquote and even on the street corner um, in order for us to want to repair anything or reconcile any differences, there's a dialogue that had to be had. And I'm noticing that more and more that um, agents are, are driving a wedge 
to cut off the dialogue. All black people wanted truly is one, an apology, a true apology, a contrite apology, two, a, a dialogue in order for things to be, become better. And we've been asking for this dialogue for a very long time. However, we have taken a, a very staunch stance, of course, with the, the emergence of Black Lives Matter. Um, I'm not totally in agreement uh, with Black Lives Matter, but I do respect the results that they have had. But I and I do understand on a historical reference, um, if you looked at how many times um, a black or a black woman or black man have been killed by the police and in the fashion that they've been killed publicly and there has been an acquittal this was it, it was just bound to happen so um that the the system within itself because it, it didn't lend a hand in actually being justified or it, it, it didn't even have an, an air of, of, of due process so to speak um a true due process the only natural step or the only natural recourse for a human being is violence um and i will always tell my my audience is that preservation of life takes precedent over anything else if people feel as though that their lives are at stake they're going to do anything to fight um off whatever it is whether it's a dog biting a child or a dog biting a man they're going to do whatever means they have in order to stop that um, so violence will become a, a reflection or a, a recourse of action if dialogue or there isn't any sim symbolism of justice or even air of justice. So that's just a natural step. So when people often say that people shouldn't use violence for any for their own personal gain, as Americans, we have always used violence in our wheelhouse that violence is our, actually our number one recourse and that's the number one thing that we have um, in America. Our, we, we spend, um, we outspend every other country in, in militaristic operations. If you see the, the government flow chart on, on how much money we spend on militarization is probably close to 50%. Um, so for those who say like America isn't doing that then I think you should relook at that uh, data but I'm going on to say that um, what equality looks like and we have to get rid of these cards and I call them the cards these are dirty cards so one is the race card the race card is used by masterful tacticians right so I, I don't want to say any names in, uh, I'll say it, um, some of our very own civil rights leaders, so I'll say like a, um, a Reverend Al Sharpton, he's a masterful user of the race card. Um, has he gotten results? Yes. And has he, has he used it to, to make corporations kneel and heal to when they don't want to hire African Americans? Yes. Um, so does the ends justify the means? I don't know you I would leave that up to the audience but I would say he's very masterful at the the race card some other politicians as well they they use this black card right um 
and they're masterful wielders of this card. So even if someone down the aisle who's white or who's another race, quote unquote race, because we know it's a social construct. But if someone was to say something um, and they didn't mean it or uh, the conversation has gotten dicey, they would use that card masterfully to make that person look like they're a racist. Um, same as for others, uh, other, other communities can use the race card. But for me, as, a, as equality, that card has to be done do away with. As a business owner, I don't like to, to say that I, I am a black business owner because it comes with all the negativity of that card as well as the, um, the perceptions of other people who, who say that, oh, this is a black-owned business, right? So it, it's, it's a double-edged sword. So I can say that I, I'm a black business owner. And um, with, those, with that card comes this baggage. I never want to be labeled the black business owner. I always want to be comparable to my peers. So whether it's an Asian uh, business owner, whether it's a white business owner, whether it's a Target, I don't want to be the, the black business owner. I want to be the business owner who's excelling. So along the lines of almost a Robert Smith. Robert Smith is a, a billionaire, an astute gentleman. He, he's learned and he he's comparable to anyone else any other billionaire so a warren buffett a bill gates a a um steve jobs he's in that annal i don't look at robert smith as like a black billionaire you know it, it, it sounds crazy to me and so that's what i take on so when you say you're a black business owner you come with the the negative stereotype and in my community we know what the negative stereotype is for a black business owner. And I'm not even just, I don't know what white people would categorize a black business as, or how would they perceive it. So I'm not even gonna get into that, but I know what black people say about black business owners because I'm actually a part of um, a Facebook group. And um, sometimes we have to get out of our own ignorance, right? So whenever a, a black business owner make a mistake, a mistake on whether it's shipping out a t-shirt or shipping out or something to, along the lines of, of a business, the first thing they would say was, oh, this is why I don't deal with black people. They're late, they don't wanna do this, they don't wanna do that, there's no customer service. But how many times does Walmart mess up an order? Or Walmart distributors mess up, mess up an order or Target messes up an order or does something. There's customer service for that. You know, you go to a customer service represent, representative and they smooth it out. So that lets you know that their mistakes happen in business and then there's ways to rectify it. My only take on that is that we are so harsh for one another and it's because of that quote-unquote label. Same thing we may have, have happened with um, just anything. Um, I just don't like to get into the racialized aspects of business because, um, and don't get me wrong, there is a racial aspect to business. There is a a group group economics to to business there is a, a race tied to it you know our communities are better when we do have black um black business owners whether it's black females black males um 
the community is better. Your community dollars, you get to rent your dollars over and over. Yes, it is. But are we there? We have to be in a space where we allow business owners or we allow each other to grow and communicate effectively in order to in order for me to give you the, the, the types of service that you want. So I would just tell the audience that since the 1950s, black businesses have been in a decline. So we haven't been practicing business. So it's almost like a muscle. Right. So if you don't you don't use this muscle, it atrophies like anything else. If we, we have not been practicing business since the 1950s, our grandfathers and our great grandfathers, whether they've been chased off of their land um, they were farmers or they were construction workers. All of this stuff was we once had in the South and we were ran off or ran out of that industry. So we came to work for people in the North and 50 years down the line, those industries tanked and we are back in poverty. So we, we, we received a good amount of money, but we no longer own anything. Um, and so this is where we we left we are left off at, right? So we're not owners of anything. We're mainly consumers of of goods and services. So I want to do away with the black card. The black card comes with too much baggage. Men, women, we have to do away with the woman card because if you are seeking a women, if women are seeking equality, and they have to let down this card. And this card is wheeled by masterful people who believe in quote unquote feminism, not the run of the mill woman who wants their own rights. That that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is those leaders who push feminism and do not really truly want women to be independent or they push feminism. However, they're a stay at home mom (laughs) <laughs> with three or four kids in um and married but meanwhile they're pushing feminism onto other communities who who they end up becoming single mothers um with three or four kids and they're telling you to be um a staunch feminist and they're not giving you any avenues of success they're not giving you the ability to raise your family or give you giving you an outlet. That's hypocritical. Um, another card. Um, this is all in the cards, right? So these cards have to do away with to see equality. And, and I'm, I'm just going to speak for my community and well, for me and then how I represent my community. So I can, I can only speak for myself and how I'm a reflection of my community, right? So the the very first time I really thought about these cards, right, is when I started to run broke, right? And I started to, to really work for myself or getting to the tune of working for myself. So I read a lot of self-help books. I read a, a lot of Les Brown, a lot of Jim Rohn, a lot of Tony Robbins, um, Eric Thomas, Dr. Eric Thomas, um, you name it, I consumed it. Napoleon Hill, um, Earl Nightingale, read the five hour work week, um, Laptop Millionaire, 
Disney's Be Our Guest. So I started just consuming a lot of books and I still consume it. I read uh, Acres of Diamonds, Who Moved My Cheese. And I, real, I realized that we are not going to get anywhere if, we, if we're waiting for some pie in the sky, right? And the other thing too is like the religion card. So those who are who are followers of Islam, those who are followers of Christianity, definitely the black community, which who are predominantly Christian, and myself, I reread the Bible, you know, like, or I read certain scriptures. And one of the scriptures that stand out to me was, um, seek and he shall find, right? So something simple as that, seek and he shall find. A lot of times, or... A lot of times we sit, we sit back and we wait, we pray, we pray, we pray, but we never act. And I see this in our community, right? We're all blaming each other or they blame Jay-Z or they'll blame Kanye West for not doing something or they'll blame athletes for not doing something or they'll blame, but in their own lives, they're not doing anything to better themselves. They're not reading the books they're not looking at the, the, the modules or the YouTube. They're not even trying to go to a community college to learn themselves. You know, it only costs you this much. So this is what I see in my community. And um, this is not everyone. So I don't want to take, have someone take this and say, oh, I'm going to run with this. And, you know, black people are lazy. They're not going to do. No, 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 no. We're not doing that. But what am I saying is that a lot of people who are complaining and this um, in this age, in this era, you can tweet you can have an Instagram post, you can have a Facebook post, and that's the end-all, be-all of your activism, or that's the end-all, be-all of your, your, your con- contribution to yourself, which is empty. You can fake everything in this, in this day and age. You can fake being a baller. Like, I can fake, I can put on fake jewelry from, from, uh, from Amazon, I can buy fake jewelry, I can buy an empty bottle uh, of of Moet or whatever is the popular drink and I could pretend to be anybody who I want like I'm in the club every day and I can fake it you know I can probably go to Teterboro in New Jersey and, and pretend like I'm next to a, a, a jet then I can say I'm flying off in my private jet and I'm in just in the air yard with this bottle of, <laughs> this bottle of Moet and um and people would eat it up every day you know I could I could literally live a lie um, but meanwhile, I could be homeless doing all these things or I could rent my clothes. Or I can rent this or I can rent that. But um, but truthfully, I'm not a person of substance. And this is what I'm seeing in my community is that, you know, with the the era of this digital era and the era of hip hop is that no one's really your activism is only 120 characters, 140 characters. And that's it. Um, but you're not putting in the work to be better. And I see that now, like now that we have the world's attention, we are not asking for the things necessary in order to further this goal or end um, inequality end police brutality. So we have these things. Right. And so in the, in the systems know that. Right. So they give us vanity, i.e. symbolism. So they'll knock down a couple statues. They'll do a couple meals. They'll they'll do some prayer service vigils. They'll do all of the fluff and the spin, but there's no legislation being passed. There's no monies being being handed. And meanwhile, 
you can do an open request act or you know an Oprah act or you can look online and see which communities or which communities are getting checks um, whether it's a a, a, um, a grant a, a an award bidding from the federal government you can see which communities are winning because they're getting these grants or they're getting these these hub zones or they're they're exercising their rights and meanwhile, we're not doing anything to capitalize or even ask the question. You know, all great answers come with questions. And we're not even asking the right questions. What are we getting um, for our vote? What are we getting out of this endeavor? But what we're okay with is just someone saying, I feel your pain. Let's knock down a statue. Or don't talk to them. Cut off dialogue with law enforcement. Cut off dialogue with the other side of the party and listen to me. It's the blind leading the blind or you being led astray again to be to fall back in the trap, the same cyclical trap of this happening again. So I'm all for results and things to 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 happen in a way where. We don't ever have to incur this problem again or my child doesn't have to ever incur this problem again or his children or my daughter's children's children don't ever have to incur that. Then this is what equality for me looks like. Equality is is on the basis of me being an equal in every sense of the word with my peers, my racialized peers. So I don't want any preferential treatment. I just want a fair shake and whatever a fair shake is, is just a slice straight down the middle. So if, if little Shaquan and Gary, they're in the same classroom, let, let the, let the, the grades or the merit be the talking. We don't, we don't need anything else. Um, we just need the, the change to be unlocked. And to me, that is true freedom. I don't want anyone to judge me on, on what they perceive I might be or a threat to them or anything else. And I think that's what we, we, we we're accustomed to using the victim card. Um, but I would, I would say that these cards have a, they have a finite use in the wielders of that card are masters of this card themselves. So the the black card can be stripped away from me at any time. The victim card could be stripped away from me at any time. The woman card can be stripped away from, for perfect example, when Charlemagne the God asked Joe Biden, what are we getting for our vote? He said, if you're not voting for me, you're not black. Essentially, the black card was stripped away then. That's why I found it offensive is because you didn't even see that this white man stripped away the black card from you because he just divorced you from the reason why we all vote. We vote to get resources or to get resources for our community so that way we can better thrive. We're already a quote unquote minority. Um, so that may we're not the majority in the vote. So we have to we have to be in the political system or if we choose to engage in the political system, we have to get resources out of it. Or my suggestion would be we don't involve ourselves in the political system if we're not getting anything at all. We group up and we do for self. 
i.e. the Asian community, i.e. the Jewish community. They do for self and then they can engage the political system because they have a certain amount of lawyers. They have a certain amount of wealth where they can sway the system to their advantage. That's what they, that's what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we're the only people that say that or someone else is telling us that that's something wrong to do. It's not. We see communities do it all the time. However, we have options, but we're being led astray by saying or someone telling us, use the victim card. You can use it to your advantage. Or even white people. White people, they use the white card. That thing has been used up. That can be, that's taken away from them. That can be taken away from you. You see, it's not being effective anymore. Um, for those who want to participate in that structure, right? Same thing with the LGBTQ card. That's going to, that, th- th- listen, legislation uh, just passed. Donald Trump just he, he basically took a lot of the, the provisions that were given by pro, pro, um, President Obama. Those things are gone. Um, they actually had to justify some of the legislation in the civil rights bills in order to give um, those of the LGBT community rights. So these things can be stripped away from you if they're not preserved and protected. And to me, that's, it's not really, um, it's not a substantial gain if it can be taken away from you. And same thing I would say with the woman card. The woman card was stripped away when um, certain bills were passed where they won't allow women to have um, abortions. They, uh, whether your take on it or not, choice is choice. You know, whatever your choice is, they take it away from you. Um, or even, um, I think in some states, they passed a law where even if the woman was raped, they would, um, she can't abort the fetus or she can't abort that delivery. And all of this, these things are being stripped away. And you realize that the cards that you quote unquote wield, they're, they're, they're not even effective because um, Audre Lorde said something very interesting. And he said, the master's tools can never destroy its house. And I, uh, it took me almost like a decade to, to really um, ponder this question because I always, I didn't always think of it as physical tools, but I said we can use these tools in order to build our own house or in order to to combat um, to combat society. But really, truthfully, we're not because the master's tools. Right. So the master is actually a wielder of the, these said tools. If I'm a novice with this hammer, well, I'm just it's a metaphorical hammer, symbolic hammer. But just say if I'm a master, the master wielder who gave me the race card, right? Who gave me the victim card, who gave me the woman card or gave me the male card, the black card. He knows how to use these cards masterfully so he can then disarm me from using these cards, i.e. whether how I look in the media. I don't have these cards anymore. So one day I can be a victim and I can get some reward from it. But the next day I can be a monster to be vilified using the same card. Same thing with women. One day you can have fight for equality, but the next day that you 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 feel as though you're independent, you're you're, you're looked at as unruly or you're looked at as um, hard to deal with or whatever stereotype there is, they give 
women when they're being assertive and they want what they want. They're too masculine, they're too dominant, they're too this, they're too that. All the stereotypes that come with that association. And that's what I'm trying to bring at um, and I'm trying to bring about. Um, and I know this is a lot to wrestle with. So every day I try to practice in my life that I try to strip away and take away the, the, the black card, right? So I approach life um, talking about race, which is uh, kind of ironic, right? The irony is that I talk about race, but really this is a purging for me because I, I get to understand race objectively. And so once I get to understand uh, it objectively, I can now separate myself from those experiences, which they'll always be there. But now I can put those experiences in a small jar and I can observe them from internally from myself, away from myself to say that these things are an aberration or these things shouldn't really happen. And the reason why these things happen is because of X and this is how I should combat X. So it's basically you can't understand a problem unless you fully examine it. Right. And the way you have to examine it is that you have to step away from it. And when you step away from it, you can see it from all angles and all sides. And that's what I want to give to my audience. So sometimes when you become emotionally invested in a situation or a problem, you are too close to the problem itself. And I want you to separate yourself from it. And then when you do, you can you can actually engage in dialogue or you can or even if you don't choose to engage in dialogue, you can understand and identify whether this is a threat or this is something that needs my attention. So one thing my, my father was always privileged to telling me is that um, he said, I, I know he said I never he was like. He said something very profound to me, you know, he, he gives me, you know, fatherly advice and I would pass this down to my son. He said, um, once identify somebody for who they are, right? So they can be a snake. He said, I don't discard them. He said, I don't directly discard them. Once I identify you, I know how to then play you. And I said, wow, I'm like, you wouldn't just do away with them. He's like, nah, 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 I don't. When you show me who you are, I know that I, what you are. So I didn't know how to to combat you. I don't discard you. He's like, I might use you. He's like, I probably could use you to my advantage or play you, play you against yourself. A very wise man. And because normally we was like, oh, if this is a snake. I don't want nothing to do with a snake. But he was like, listen, you don't know what type of snake it is. So if you if this snake is too close, he can be a bow constrictor. He can choke you. If you if you said you want to discard this the snake and he's a spitting cobra he'll spit in your eyes and blind you or um if he's too close he can bite you and poison you so these are all different types of things so once you identify this the snake is like what type of snake it is or what type of creature this is that i can combat it and it's very very high level stuff that um he gave me and, and this is what I'm imparting to my audience is that, you know, just because you identify the first thing that you want to do is identify the problem and see how you can then combat it. We, are, we haven't even gotten to the point to identifying the situation that we really need in our that we really need in our community to help us. Um, if you watch the movie Selma with Martin Luther King is that um, they were sit they sat down for days on a couch 
several reverends, several think tanks, and they just said, what, what can we do strategizing on how they could combat um, racism and how could they get to the t- how they could get to the table and sit down to um, get civil rights, right? So they would often say, we can go, and this was lawyers, they had, you know, you got Thurgood Marshall, you got um, Abernathy, you, you have a lot of powerful, smart men and women sitting down at the table um, trying to combat this, um, that question, and they were, then they were successful in what they were trying to, to do. Um, but I think in this day and age, we have to really look at, we have to see it beyond where we are now, beyond the scope of where we are now, because we're still rioting. There's still people in all over the place. But when you, when you look at it, you realize that the system now has adjusted or they will adjust to the riots in kind or response to it. So by the time they should have had a response, we should have already been asking for what, whatever we were asking for or coming up with a new strategy in order to keep them, keep the system off balance. But I would tell my audience that um, we really have to look at the byproducts of, of the race cards. And it's just not the rigged cards, but it's a number of cards. It's the victim card. It's the el- the old card, the the young card. The there are a lot of cards um, in this deck that we wield. Um, even some I'm I'm not even privy of. But I, once again, I believe that I, I should I wouldn't even use those cards because if you don't know how to use them, you'll fall. You'll you'll mess up. But I, I see this to say that always think critically of of what you're doing and look at things again sometimes you may have to reevaluate a lot of things in your life or a lot of um of different um systems like whether they were established from old or young and see if it works for you sometimes um, it won't work for you or sometimes it, it may be it may not it may have served its purpose 10 years ago but it won't serve you now so we have to reevaluate that because we are we are really behind and we're moving on a an old playbook our playbook is still from the 1960s from the civil rights movement we haven't come up with a new playbook we have we still we're still having old civil rights leaders from times long ago talking about let's march on washington it's in COVID season no one should be marching we should find virtual ways of attacking this problem we should find economic ways of attacking this problem legislative ways to attack this problem so people are talking about having a gathering uh, march on washington to prove what point for all of us to get sick and go back home when we know that African Americans and minorities are predisposed to COVID because of our historical and um, our historical and biological eating habits from slavery. So we are the the most people prone to it, and we don't have the the access to healthcare. So why should we be marching? 
these are the things that I want people to think critically and really examine. These are civil rights leaders telling us to march, to go to Washington when there's still COVID present. <sighs> Disgusting. But this is uh, Cotton in a Rocket Chip. And I uh, thank you for listening. Peace.